Chapter Three of The Ethics of Belief. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bev Stevens. The Ethics of Belief by William Kingdon Clifford. Chapter Three The Limits of Inference. The question in what cases we may believe that which goes beyond our experience is a very large and delicate one, extending to the whole range of scientific method, and requiring a considerable increase in the application of it before it can be answered with anything approaching to completeness. But one rule, lying on the threshold of the subject of extreme simplicity and vast practical importance, may here be touched upon and shortly laid down. A little reflection will show us that every belief, even the simplest and most fundamental, goes beyond experience when regarded as a guide to our actions. A burnt child dreads the fire because it believes that the fire will burn it today, just as it did yesterday. But this belief goes beyond experience and assumes that the unknown fire of today is like the known fire of yesterday. Even the belief that the child was burnt yesterday goes beyond present experience, which contains only the memory of a burning and not the burning itself. It assumes, therefore, that this memory is trustworthy, although we know that a memory may often be mistaken. But if it is to be used as a guide to action, as a hint of what the future is to be, it must assume something about that future, namely, that it will be consistent with the supposition that the burning really took place yesterday, which is going beyond experience. Even the fundamental I am, which cannot be doubted, is no guide to action until it takes to itself I shall be which goes beyond experience. The question is not, therefore, may we believe what goes beyond experience? For this is involved in the very nature of belief. But how far and in what manner may we add to our experience in forming our beliefs? And an answer of utter simplicity and universality is suggested by the example we have taken. A burnt child dreads the fire. We may go beyond experience by assuming that what we do not know is like what we do know. Or, in other words, we may add to our experience on the assumption of a uniformity in nature. What this uniformity precisely is, how we grow in the knowledge of it from generation to generation, these are questions which, for the present, we lay aside being content to examine two instances which may serve to make plainer the nature of the rule. From certain observations made with the spectroscope, we infer the existence of hydrogen in the sun. By looking into the spectroscope when the sun is shining on its slit, we see certain definite bright lines. And experiments made upon bodies on the earth have taught us that when these bright lines are seen, hydrogen is the source of them. We assume, then, that the unknown bright lines in the sun are like the known bright lines of the laboratory, and that hydrogen in the sun behaves as hydrogen under similar circumstances would behave on the earth. But are we not trusting our spectroscope too much? 
surely having found it to be trustworthy for terrestrial substances where its statements can be verified by man we are justified in accepting its testimony in other like cases but not when it gives us information about things in the sun where its testimony cannot be directly verified by man certainly we want to know a little more before this inference can be justified and fortunately we do know this the spectroscope testifies to exactly the same thing in the two cases namely that light vibrations of a certain rate are being sent through it its construction is such that if it were wrong about this in one case it would be wrong in the other when we come to look into the matter we find that we have really assumed the matter of the sun to be like the matter of the earth made up of a certain number of distinct substances and that each of these when very hot has a distinct rate of vibration by which it may be recognized and singled out from the rest but this is the kind of assumption which we are justified in using when we add to our experience it is an assumption of uniformity in nature and can only be checked by comparison with many similar assumptions which we have to make in other such cases but is this a true belief of the existence of hydrogen in the sun can it help in the right guidance of human action certainly not if it is accepted on unworthy grounds and without some understanding of the process by which it is got at but when this process is taken in as the ground of the belief it becomes a very serious and practical matter for if there is no hydrogen in the sun the spectroscope that is to say the measurement of rates of vibration must be an uncertain guide in recognizing different substances and consequently it ought not to be used in chemical analysis in assaying for example to the great saving of time trouble and money whereas the acceptance of the spectroscopic method as trustworthy has enriched us not only with new metals which is a great thing but with new processes of investigation which is vastly greater for another example let us consider the way in which we infer the truth of an historical event say the siege of syracuse in the peloponnesian war our experience is that manuscripts exist which are said to be and which call themselves manuscripts of the history of thucydides that in other manuscripts stated to be by later historians he is described as living during the time of the war and that books supposed to date from the revival of learning tell us how these manuscripts had been preserved and were then acquired we find also that men do not as a rule forge books and histories without a special motive we assume that in this respect men in the past were like men in the present and we observe that in this case no special motive was present that is we add to our experience on the assumption of a uniformity in the characters of men because our knowledge of this uniformity is far less complete and exact than our knowledge of that which obtains in physics inferences of the historical kind are more precarious and less exact than inferences in many other sciences but if there is any special reason to suspect the character of the persons who wrote or transmitted certain books 
the case becomes altered. If a group of documents give internal evidence that they were produced among people who forged books in the names of others, and who, in describing events, suppressed those things which did not suit them, while they amplified such as did suit them, who not only committed these crimes but gloried in them as proofs of humility and zeal, then we must say that upon such documents no true historical inference can be founded, but only unsatisfactory conjecture. We may, then, add to our experience on the assumption of a uniformity in nature. We may fill in our picture of what is, and has been, as experience gives it us, in such a way as to make the whole consistent with this uniformity. And practically demonstrative inference, that which gives us a right to believe in the result of it, is a clear showing that in no other way than by the truth of this result can the uniformity of nature be saved. No evidence, therefore, can justify us in believing the truth of a statement which is contrary to, or outside of, the uniformity of nature. If our experience is such that it cannot be filled up consistently with uniformity, all we have a right to conclude is that there is something wrong somewhere. But the possibility of inference is taken away. We must rest in our experience and not go beyond it at all. If an event really happened which was not a part of the uniformity of nature, it would have two properties. No evidence could give the right to believe it to any except those whose actual experience it was, and no inference worthy of belief could be founded upon it at all. Are we then bound to believe that nature is absolutely and universally uniform? Certainly not. We have no right to believe anything of this kind. The rule only tells us that in forming beliefs which go beyond our experience, we may make the assumption that nature is practically uniform so far as we are concerned. Within the range of human action and verification, we may form, by help of this assumption, actual beliefs. Beyond it, only those hypotheses which serve for the more accurate asking of questions. To sum up, we may believe what goes beyond our experience only when it is inferred from that experience by the assumption that what we do not know is like what we know. We may believe the statement of another person when there is reasonable ground for supposing that he knows the matter of which he speaks, and that he is speaking the truth so far as he knows it. It is wrong in all cases to believe on insufficient evidence, and where it is presumption to doubt and to investigate, there it is worse than presumption to believe. End of chapter 3 End of the Ethics of Belief by William Kingdon Clifford